the SSE Electricity League podcast here on News Talk. We're almost there. We're almost over the line. We just have the last round of competitive fixtures, a cup final, and three more Europa League games to talk about. After the cup final, by the way, this and pretty the playoffs. much. And the playoffs. Yeah. And we will talk about that with Kevin Doherty, former, former manager of Shelburne. He's worked in the first division uh, this season. Hi, Oshin. And he knows all about... Oh, hey, Dan. He knows all about Drogheda and Cove Ramblers. He's played against them both. And uh, Drogheda obviously with a massive advantage going into the second leg of the playoff against Cove. They're 2-0 up. We will get to that. Uh, Dan, thanks for rudely interrupting me. Dan That's Kelly right. there. How are you, lads? Uh, Dan, um, you're coming here under a cloud today. I am. A dark, dark cloud a has dark, come over the northwest of Ireland. Because Dave Robertson has shamed the whole of Sligo. Not he just has. the whole of the Sligo Rovers <laughs> fan base, the whole of Sligo. Yeah. Uh, Shane Filan is said to be inconsolable. He is. Uh, and he'll say it all over again. Yes, for those of you who don't know, for those of you who aren't on Twitter, which is a lot of people. A lot of people. Dave, Dave Robertson is one of the few people in League of Round with a Twitter yep. uh, One of the few League of Round managers with a Twitter account. You've just mentioned there, uh, Mr. Doherty. He is one of, uh, I suppose he's not now in League of Round, but he was one of the few with an active Twitter account. Exactly. We will explain this just in case you're not on Twitter because we in the media think everyone is on Twitter and we kind of live in a bubble where yeah. we think, you know, everyone sees what goes on on Twitter and they don't. Dave Robertson last night during St. Pat's against Dundalk this tweeted is, looks this is like where it gets fun exactly looks like Stephen Kenny and Dundalk have chucked the towel in on the league hashtag no integrity he got a lot of abuse and he followed it up uh, a couple of minutes later with hashtag just saying the now, just the saying context, came out yeah. moments after St. Pat's went four up yes. in their win over Dundalk the context being that Dundalk had the league wrapped up they've got a lot of games to come big games as well so they gave a lot of the kids a chance yeah last night and Dave Robertson wasn't too happy with this now the context is that he thinks that they should have been a bit more competitive because Sligo and Pats uh, Pats can still technically catch Sligo Rovers they can but it's not like there's a European place up for grabs and okay there is a difference in I think 1500 euro in prize money which I appreciate in this league is actually quite a lot and you know you can do things with that but it's petty and it's bitter and I like Dave Robertson but he's off the mark here can you get the bleeper here ready for one minute yep tough shit Dave Robertson tough shit (laughs) Uh, Rovers have had a pretty poor season Uh, Pats were five points behind going in to uh, the game last night against Dundalk they won it they're now two behind with a game left if Dave Robertson wants to be in a position where he uh, can play a weakened team go and win the league same goes to any manager Dundalk have earned the right to do whatever they want because they've won the league with two games to go. Exactly. If they want to take a break for some of their players because they have Zenit St. Petersburg and an FEI Cup final coming up, they're well within their rights to do so. Absolutely. And the league have kind of messed Dundalk over with the fixtures, so they need to rest whenever they can. Totally. Uh, just before we let you go, Dan, yes. um, Shamrock Rovers of the 80s, Dundalk yes. of now, yes. and Waterford United of the 60s. Who's the best? In well, as you can get from my voice, I've always been a Waterford United fan from the 1960s. I think uh, yep. growing up in the RSC. Well, or, you're in your 20s, it makes sense. Yeah, growing up in the RSC or wherever Waterford played back then, I always thought they were a great team. I can only go on what I've seen. And in my lifetime, Dundalk are the only team that have done three in a row. They're the only side that has won three in a row. Uh, we've seen brilliant Shelburne teams that have done excellent in the Champions League. The Bulls team of 2008 was also excellent. There has been good teams, but Dundalk have just seemed to have brought it that level above everyone else. Yes, and let's hope it's not followed by an inevitable decline, which happened Waterford, which happened Rovers, which hopefully won't happen Dundalk. It did happen Shelburne. Uh, Daniel Kelly, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Paddy Mulligan doesn't agree with you. He's uh, formerly of Shamrock Rovers and Ireland. He joined us on the Rewind podcast earlier in the week. And I put it to him that this Dundalk team are the best League of Ireland team ever, but he did not agree. I think that the Waterford team in the, in the, uh, in the 60s was absolutely brilliant 
Uh, they won so many leagues. Uh, I was at Shamrock Rovers at the time. We won six cups in a row. And they were winning leagues for fun, you know. And, and we were normally we were normally second to them uh, in, in the league. But that Waterford team of uh, Alfie Hale, Peter Bryan, Peter Thomas, Johnny Matthews, Jimmy McGill, Vinnie Maguire. Fabulous, fabulous team. No, no question about that. And I, in a I, footballing sense, or a and the Rovers sense? team, and in, in, in the Rovers team in, in, in yeah. the eighties as well. Um, with Jim McLaughlin was, I think they won four in a row. They were, they were an excellent team. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't subscribe to the view that's in top. But it's very, look, yeah. it's very difficult. I mean, the Shamrock Rovers team of the fifties, Paddy, Paddy Coates Colts. What a, what a team they were. So oh, tremendous team. Talk to me about that Waterford team you mentioned and some of those Rovers teams you mentioned. Were they good in a footballing sense or were they good in a winning sense or a bit of both? Good all round. Yeah. Good all round. That Waterford team, they, they, they had skill in abundance. Um, they, it was pure It was pure football, pure class the whole way along the line. We had some, we had some at Shamrock Rovers, we had some great battles with them, some wonderful games. And, and, and it was a pleasure to play in them whether we, whether we, of course we were hoping to go and win. Um, but I remember one day they came to Milltown and beat, and beat us one nothing. I think it was 27,000 uh, spectators at the game. And, and uh, that's the type of crowds that Waterford and, and, and Rovers were bringing to the games and, and the Corks yeah. and the Limerick of, of, of this world and, and uh, I mean it was just it was just magnificent to play against them and it was only chatting to Alfie Hale there uh, uh, at Liam Toohey at the late Liam Toohey's funeral and we were just reminiscing on just how, how, how good it was how great the rivalry was and it was you know the, it, it was intense on the pitch but then off the pitch every, everything was fine it was all, all, all was fair in love and war but they they were they were smashing in they played they play good football and I mean they, they had to be such a good team because at Rovers we, we had a very very good team we, we won the FA, FAI Cup six years in succession mm. and that takes that takes some doing but while, they, while we were winning cups they were, they were winning the league Paddy Mulligan formerly of West Brom Chelsea Crystal Palace Ireland and of course Shamrock Rovers he does not think this Dundalk team are the greatest ever but what do you think well if they played each other, if Shamrock Rovers were to play Dundalk and if you were to throw that Waterford United team into it as well, if you were to go with the kind of a three-team mini-league, who would come out on top? It's a debate that we have had, Richie and I, along with one or two celebrity friends. And yes, you're right. We did rob the idea from somewhere. Who was the greatest? Who was the best of all time? If two athletes from different eras could actually compete against one another, who would come out on top? In one corner, the reigning champion at Mason the Line Dixon. He'll be pitted against the former two-time heavyweight champion, Rocky Balboa. Computer says Rocky Balboa would be triumphant. an absolutely fruitless and in many ways pointless conversation but god damn it it's fun and we're joined by a generational span to talk about this uh, 
You've got the young whippersnapper, Kevin Doherty, who's here in shorts. And Matt Keane <laughs> of WLRFM is on the line with us. Matt, you might remember from earlier in the season, told us great stories of Waterford United's uh, fantastic uh, cup victory of the 1980s. Matt uh, knows all about Waterford United, has traced their history. They had a, a great team in the 60s, won six out of eight leagues. And Matt was there to see it all. And also we're joined by a member of the four in a row team, Pat Byrne of Shamrock Rovers. Pat, of course, also doing great things with Bowes and Shelburne in his time but despite that we will forgive him <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Richie obviously here as well because I need to be at this stage the editor makes me take him on board I've got no place else to go okay uh, lads a lot of talk about who's the best Paddy Mulligan thinks it's the four in a row team so Pat we'll start with you and um, you might tell us about the team what made that four in a row side so good I suppose the, the, what has been talking about uh, lately is all about hunger, really. Um, we had a great set of fellas that, uh, you know, they really had a great desire to win things. Um, and, uh, they, you know, we had a we had a fallout as much as anybody else, you know, and people forget that. People thought it was, uh, everything was rosy, but, you know, we'd have bad days, good days. and uh, But the one thing we had was a desire to win. And, uh, you know, you might win one thing, one year, whatever it might be. Um, but um, you still uh, strove to kind of uh, to win more you know and that's the way we were really we were well driven No coincidence as well that like this Dundalk team um, you had great managers in Jim McLaughlin and of course Dermot Keeley Absolutely Jim was fantastic you know he was, he got everybody together he started everything off um, and then Dermot took it on you know and um you know, they were great fellas. I remember there saying to Dermot a while ago, you know, well, a few years ago, that he didn't have to manage this side. It was so easy because uh, they were all leaders in themselves. You know, we had Mick Nevels, Paul Doolan, Kevin Brady. We'd had Lee, uh, Noel King. We'd people like that, Noel Lark and Mick Bourne. So they all had a, you know, a great way about them. And uh, I think if we had to stay together for longer, we probably would have won more as well, you know, so. Yeah, decent players who all got the best out of themselves. Uh, Matt Keane, you would have watched this great Waterford team of the 60s. What stood them out? Well, the previous year, 1964-65, Sam Prowl was the uh, chairman of the FBI. And there's a famous quote, he said, pull your socks up or you'll be removed from the league. So they know they were so bad up to, up to then during the early, early 60s. So 65-66 uh, came along. And the chairman at the time, Frank Davis, uh, bought a player in from Derry City for what was a massive amount of money at the time, £3,000 at the time. And as you, and that player was Jimmy McGill, the great uh, Jimmy McGill. Now, we had some great local players like the Peter Fitzgerald's and we had Christy Wallace's. We had uh, the two full-backs then, Noel Griffin and Jamie Casey. And the captain was the goalkeeper, uh, Tommy Taylor. So that year... 65-66 Warford went on this incredible 13 match unbeaten run and they actually would you believe it of all places where they equal the record had beat the record of 13 games unbeaten was up in Dundalk and Oriel Park who are they you know the flavour of the month at the moment at Dundalk so then followed uh, the next uh, 8 years Warford won the league 6 times it was absolutely incredible they brought over a little winger from Coventry uh, Johnny Matthews and Johnny Matthews played on the left wing and during his uh, time in the League of Ireland, he scored an incredible 157 goals, which was some uh, shooting machine for a, a left winger. It's not bad at all. Kevin Doherty, you're a kind of neutral observer from Stokes, Kennedy, Crowley and all this. <laughs> um, what makes this Dundalk team great? Uh, look, you just have to look at how good they've been over the last three years. It's not as if it's the, it's the first year. Um, 
their fitness is obviously a massive thing. Everyone says about them that they're their full time status. They're the way the players look after themselves. They they seem to have a real hunger to go again and again and again. And the thing that really, I think they have some sort of belief inside them. A couple of weeks ago, before the the court game in in Oriel Park, there was a, which was I suppose you could say was nearly a league decider. People were starting to question them a little bit, and they just stood up to the play. Um, as soon as Cork didn't really play that well in the game, have to, has to be said. But Dundalk, any time there's any question asked about them, their character, their resolve, obviously their their talent and their fitness is, is the is the biggest thing. But they certainly have a, a hunger and a drive to keep going again and again. Pat, the one thing that we need to kind of do in all this is, I suppose, contextualise the achievements of each of these sides because it's kind of difficult to take them in isolation when you just view the sheer all numbers right. of it and, and and in terms of, like, you know, winning three in a row, winning four in a row, uh, winning five and six in a row in terms of cups, etc. But uh, give us a uh, kind of, I suppose, a synopsis or a snapshot of, of what the league was like in that mid-80s period in which Rovers dominated. Yeah, it was it was like Dundalk at the moment. Uh, there was only one or two sides that would actually compete with us, which was uh, Bowes and, and Dundalk. And uh, they were kind of uh, competing with us right throughout those four years, five years, whatever it was. And um, it, it wasn't the, the league, you know, you had sides that were decent enough, but they couldn't sustain it throughout a the year. They probably have good performances like Pats or Shells or whatever it might be like that, you know. So uh, it's like the dog at the moment. I mean, the only people really competing with the dog at the moment, would, we'd say, would be Cork. You'd get good games off maybe uh, Bowles and uh, Stig or whatever it might be, but and Derry and maybe Shamrock Grovers to a degree, but. Uh, we were similar similar situation, you know what I mean? It was uh, there wasn't many there wasn't as many sides competing against you. You would feel that you would beat most sides most weeks unless you didn't perform well. One of the primary uh, things that I suppose is, is it contributes to teams being successful is the economic factors and being able to attract certain players and being able to uh, I suppose have the, the the greenest lawn I suppose in which to attract people. Was that the case for Shamrock Rovers in the mid eighties? Were they this I suppose the gleaming diamond of a club that people wanted to go to, or was it a far more even playing field? No, people wanted to go to Shamrock Rovers. Everybody wanted to play for Shamrock Rovers um, at that particular time because of, because of the name, because of the way. You know the the club, the way it set it was set up at the time. Uh, Louis Cocoyne and all the Cocoynes ran a, a great show. You wanted to play in Milltown every week uh, because of the surfers and so forth, and and also because of the passion of supporters. And I think that's been shown over the over the years. Uh, the passion from the the, the Shamrock Rovers supporters has been unbelievable. And um, when Michael O'Neill was there and he took over and he won two leagues as well, uh, that it was a fantastic time. You know so. I think people thought it was just going to roll on from there, um, but we've gone backwards, really. Um, I just think that uh, the likes of Stephen Kenny we had there as well, I just felt Stephen came in at the wrong time to the club, you know, after the success we had. Um, but he's gone now to Dundalk and uh, proven himself, and uh, as a side there, you know, worthy of you know, uh, all the praise they're receiving at the moment. You know, with a fantastic side, really. Matt, uh, great to watch. Sorry, Pat. Matt, we... My dad was one of the people who would eulogise about that great Waterford side of the mid-60s. He moved up to Dublin uh, in around the same period that they were dominating football in this country. Again, a similar question to you. I mean, what was the league like then? Was it a far more egalitarian thing? Because it seems to be for a side like Waterford, uh, when you say they had to kind of pull pull themselves up by the bootstraps at that stage to get competitive again, it seems like it was a far more egalitarian thing. It was a fantastic uh, period, Okay. And uh, Warford had a great battle. They heard the last speaking about, you know, the, the great rivals. Uh, Shamrock Rovers, of course, 
Warbridge just to head up to uh, Glenmanure Park, Milltown, and you know it could be a midweek game. There was a competition there called the Blacksmith Cup, and then you had a top four competition in that. And uh, you know you you wouldn't get a, a mouse into Glenmalure Park. There'd be thousands and thousands of people there, and the battles with Shamrock Rovers were absolutely uh, fantastic. And Rovers we battling now for the league with Warford every year, but we could never beat them in the cup. We just couldn't win the cup. Where the first time Warford won the FAI Cup was back in 1937. And we've only won it on two occasions. We won it again in 1980. Brian Gardner scored the only goal of the game. We beat St. Patrick's at, at Athletic. And I go back to so, O'Sheen, I actually was at the 1959 Cup final when uh, St. Pat's beat Warford in a replay up in oh. Daly Mount uh, Park. So that, that, <laughs> Warford denied a double that year with the Hurlers winning the All-Ireland. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's absolutely correct, Jay. It's just so, uh, unbelievable. And there's a famous uh, player, the great Con Martin Sr., uh, it was the captain of the Warford team. I know I'm diverse and ill, but uh, Warford were awarded a penalty and uh, Con uh, refused to take it. And he gave the responsibility to uh, Dixie Hale, who would be a brother of Alfie Hale. And Dixie was only 17 and Dixie drove the ball over the crossbar. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the cup, we just could never beat Shamrock Rovers in the cup. I don't know what year it was, around the early 70s maybe the late 60s and Ronnie Norden was the uh, captain of the Rovers team and we were all crying coming out of Daily Mountain here we saw Ronnie coming out with the cup he just opened the boot of his car and put the cup in the boot of the car and drove away <laughs> and we were just we were, we were heartbroken uh, you know Rovers I think had won the cup about five or six times in a row at that stage yeah. but uh, they, the battles between Shamrock Rovers and Warburg were incredible and of course the greatest people call him perhaps one of the greatest perhaps the greatest player ever to play in the League of Ireland was Paddy Code and he was the man uh, responsible for, you know, the fantastic building job that he did with Rovers. And, of course, in the, it was in the late 50s uh, to play in Manchester United up there at Dalyman Park. And uh, Paddy Code uh, was named man of the match. So, you know, that's our, our link with uh, Sean McRovers. And, of course, uh, a Waterford native, Shane Robson, is doing fantastic work up in Rovers at the moment out there in the Tata Stadium because he's looking after the, the underage team, so Sheen. That's absolutely correct. And Paddy Barrett, a Waterford native, playing Paddy, of course, Paddy, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're so proud of Paddy, what he's doing with Dundalk. It's fantastic. But, that, see, that's another big talking point. The amount of Waterford-born players who went on to play with other clubs, be it in England and the League of Ireland, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's frightening, really. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, it all started with uh, Jim Beglin. Jim Beglin, uh, for example, never played with Warford. You know, went straight to uh, Shamrock Rovers and then went over and played with Liverpool and so on. And, uh, you know, there's the numerous... Uh, oh, I know I'm probably going off the point altogether. The amount of Warford-born players who never played with Warford is incredible. Yeah, that's, that, that's a good point because there's a lot of Rovers players playing with Dundalk at the moment as well, too. Same thing, you know, Stephen Finn. Yeah. To name one, and uh, that seems to be happening. But uh, I mean, see, for Stephen, for Stephen um, to go and pick the side he has and the players he's got in, he's picked players with hunger and probably underachievers in other clubs, um, and uh, he's put them all together in a fantastic side. To that point, you Kev, know? you kind of see that you know the Daryl Horgans of this world, you know, did okay at Cork before coming to, to Dundalk, but. Maybe wasn't the marquee player that everybody thought he'd be going into uh, being a signing in, 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 in that sense. Uh, similarly, someone like Dave McMillan to score 16 goals in the league this season beforehand, you know, kind of a patchy period. Yeah. Like, to pick him out, Kev, you know, it shows the kind of nous that Stephen Kenny has in terms of picking players. And that's key to any of these great teams. Oh, yeah, he, he's a, a fantastic ability to spot players. To so say Daryl Horgan was, he was, at, he was at Cork. Obviously, uh, Stephen was able to attract him to, to Dundalk for whatever, whatever reason he wanted. He sold him the dream, I suppose. You look as as Pat said, you've you've lads coming in from Rovers like to Ronan Finn, but 
a lot of the UCD boys there as well. Um, as you, as you yeah. mentioned, um, obviously UCD's structure with the scholarships thing is, is fantastic and it attracts um, maybe a lot of the lads don't go away that will be looking after education and then they develop Andy Boyles, for instance, another one. Um, Robbie Benson is the marquee one for this year. He's everyone knows he's six hundred points to leave and start saying and done his, his his masters. In he's wasting league. his time in the league essentially. <laughs> but in fairness to him, he, yeah. he 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 still played. He was we were playing against him last year with, with Charles and UCD, and he was he was the best player in the league then. Yeah. But he obviously could have went earlier to, to Dundalk, but he he stayed, um, did his education, and now he's going to give the full time football a lash. Interesting stat that McDonald came out with it last night on off the ball that every player who's scored in Dundalk this season so far has a degree. Uh, Pat, we want to kind of go back to the actual discussion that we started on, which was who is better and why. And again, I appreciate it's a bit of a silly discussion. But when we're taking this into consideration, do you think if your Rovers team, and Matt will come to you with the Waterford team of the 60s, if they had the same kind of strength and conditioning training as this Dundalk team, they would be as good. And uh, the example I'll use is Europe. Stewie Byrne has said he kind of judges teams on Europe and for Shamrock Rovers, I know that that game against Celtic, where he lost one nil at Milltown, is one that you see as one that that got away. Oh, yeah, that was that was a hurtful night. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's definitely one that got away. We played exceptionally well on the night. Uh, Packy Bonner was in fantastic form for them, um, and then they just broke away more than a cloud right near the end and uh, scored a goal. And it was devastating for us because we'd done so well. There was a packed house. You know, the place was uh, flying and. Yeah. We performed very, very well, but we just couldn't get over the line. Um, and I suppose people will judge about European uh, teams and, and European nights. And, and rightly so in some ways. Um, and Dundalk have done that this year and they've done they've acquitted themselves really, really well. But if you had that access to strength and fitness, we'll say this team, all of a sudden we were able to wave a magic wand and you guys we're all in your mid-twenties now or whatever and we were able to put you up against wish, this Dundalk wish, team. Yeah, <laughs> and we were able to put you up against <laughs> this Dundalk team. Can't think like that for you, man. <laughs> but if we, if, we, if we had the strength and conditioning that, that Dundalk have now and we gave it to you guys and you played each other, how do you think that game would go? Do you think you know it would be two teams of equal quality uh, meeting and, and, and do you think that would be a, a good way of deciding yeah, it's the a, better? It's a hard one. It's a hard one to call, really. That, you know, to be honest, it's... If we had a, but we did look after ourselves those yeah. years. I know there was the the drinking culture was probably a bit more different then, and probably didn't the uh, you know conditioning wasn't there. But we did look after ourselves, and we were a very fit side. And uh, you, you'd have to be under Jim McLaughlin because uh, he he made sure that people you had to get around the pitch, and uh, he wouldn't have people like like the Paul Doolans and Mick Nevels and people like that. As I said, Jack McDonough, Terry McKeady was a you know fantastic individual, fitness wise and everything else that. But I, it's a hard one to call because um, it's a different time, different yeah. era. But we were always in good shape, yeah. And we always, you know, we always prepared properly, and that wouldn't be. I, I don't think that was ever a problem with us, really. Yeah. Uh, I know the lads now in the dock are probably training full time, and it does help. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know, it's it's a hard one to call. They've they've achieved a great thing this year. We would have hoped to do better in uh, Europe when we played, but uh, it didn't happen for yeah. us, you know. Matt, when we're having this conversation about which was the greatest team, I guess we have to take into consideration maybe that football has changed an awful lot. I mean, is that something that you kind of think of when you're thinking about this argument as to who's yeah. the best, this Waterford team in the 60s, Shamrock Rovers of the 80s, Dundalk of now? Oh, yeah, it's changed incredibly. You know, I've been watching this game the best part of 60 years. I still never miss a Waterford United game home or away. It's fantastic. And 
You know, I know we've been in the first division for uh, yeah. quite a, a long time, but you know, when you head up to see, I know when Kevin was looking after Shelburne and that, like, you know, you see the teams out in there before the match, doing the warm ups, and then you have the warm downs after matches and everything, and even at training sessions, everything is changed uh, yeah. 100%. But even outside of preparation of fitness, have positionals, uh, positional uh, positions changed? Have, have setups changed? Has, has that kind of changed? Oh, it has, yeah, everything yeah. has changed. I mean, the formations and everything. Yeah. You know, back in the 60s and 70s, maybe the early 80s, you had a left winger and a right winger. Those kind of days are sort of gone, you know. Everybody knows now the sort of midfield players and they cover back and track back. And 4 2 3 one yeah. Yeah, everything has really, really changed hugely, you know. The one kind of currency, Kevin, that we've had from the mid-50s in terms of football onwards to the present day is European football and how Irish teams have performed in that. And it's fair to say that if we're going to be judging one of the best teams that this country has ever produced, Dundalk have made a hell of a case for themselves just in the last three, four months alone, based on the fact that if you look through, and this is no disrespect to, to, to the Shamrock Rovers team in the mid-80s or to Shell's team of previous or to the Waterford team in the mid-60s, um, you look down through their European records and it's a case of a series of first-round exits. Now we're looking at a Dundalk team that have a decent chance of making the knockout stages of the Europa League, which is just, just I think for any League of Ireland fan, it's just beyond the realm of any thought or capacity of thought for going into a season in terms of what a side can achieve in Europe. Yeah, that's probably the thing that, that does set them apart from from everyone else, the, the uh, progress in Europe. And obviously, obviously been involved in European games and, and the lads would have been in one way before my time, but... I, I don't know. I've I've yet to see any European performances like say the Bate Borisov one at home, beating a team like that three 0 Even the other night, Tennis St Petersburg, they they, they held their own post and they go yeah. they go two 0 up and possibly the game is over against a, a side that came over on their own airplane, like with hundred and sixty five million budget or something like that. You know, turnover whatever compared yeah. to Dundalk's. It certainly, in my mind, sets them apart. There and as you say, they could still qualify for which would be. They're already in, in uncharted waters for, for the rest of the, the league, but yeah. um, they could go even further, which is probably shows how, how far ahead they are of everyone else at the yeah. moment and possibly even um, in history. Do we throw the plastic pitch thing at Dundalk or is that myth debunked? When way, we're judging them on who's the best team, the Waterford of the 60s, Rovers of the 80s or Dundalk of now, or do we just say, actually, that's ridiculous because you know, yeah. they're away on grass pitches. I was going to say that, but I agree with you on that. It's... Uh you know, um, people say about plastic pitches. I, I, sometimes it does help them because teams would be used to playing it, and uh, it is a slight probably a slight advantage. But you've seen them going and playing on decent pitches, and they perform equally as well, if not better at times. Yeah, I should clarify you know, so. as well. Four G pitch, uh, lads. Before we let you go, a silly argument. We'll come to a silly conclusion. Kevin Doherty, we'll start with you. Who is the best? The Waterford team of the sixties, the Rovers team of the eighties, or the only team that you actually have seen in this argument? The Dundalk team of now. <laughs> I'm not allowed to throw shells in there. Not, you know, we're not mentioning them, are we? Not? There's a decent case. Listen, lads, shells, well. shells could win the Champions League, and Rovers the same. I'd still argue for their exclusion. You know that as well. <laughs> I know. You would, I know. Um, well, look, yeah, the only team I, I've properly seen are Dundalk, and yeah. as we said, saying that the way they they're playing, the way they're progressing, and, and, and could go even further. In my mind, it's probably to say it's a pointless argument, but I, I, I'd go with Dundalk for what I've seen. Obviously, I know looking even at, at the, the players that Rovers had, the Waterford one was even further before my time, but. Uh, just, I just think Dundalk are fantastic. Matt Keane of WLR. Yeah, well, I mean, Dundalk have... I, I, I tell you, Oisin, what Dundalk have done. Apart from, we know, the, the fantastic deeds. They've got people speaking about the League of Ireland, lukewarm people who, you know, sort of drifted away from the League of Ireland. Now people are coming up and they're saying, but we're Dundalk fantastic last night. 
And they've got people interested again. It looks like there's new investors coming into Waterford. And I think it's all because of what Dundalk are doing. And, you know, there was a two weeks ago, there was an English team playing and Dundalk were playing on TV. The vast majority of the Irish public were watching Dundalk. And what they've done for the League of Ireland is absolutely fantastic. So my, I'd have to give the vote to the current Dundalk team. I think they're absolutely brilliant because they've brought the League of Ireland kicking and screaming to the people who had drifted away. And that's fantastic, O'Shea. It's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, Stephen Kenny and the lads up there at the moment, they deserve so much credit for what they've done for the League of Ireland. It's fantastic. Pat Byrne, last word goes to you. You, of course, a Football Personality of the Year from 84-85 and the last League of Ireland player to play a competitive match for Ireland. Who is the greatest? Well, Waterford in the 60s, Dundalk of now or your team of the 80s, Shamrock Rovers, four in a row? I remember watching, the, the as a kid, watching the 60s. I remember watching the Rovers against uh, Waterford as well and, and rightly so, the great crowds and everything else, and Alfie Hale and people like that, Johnny Matthews. Um, the Dundalk side at the moment are exceptionally Good. I think they're a fantastic side. A different time from us. The only thing I can say about our lads is that uh, we had a great group of fellas. Uh, I'd have to say my 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 lot, not not taken away from the dog, but uh, my lot were great. They were fantastic, and they. Um, I, I think if we had to stay together longer without Milltown. We probably would have achieved more. But the Dundalk side at the moment deserve great credit. Stephen's done a wonderful job, and I just hope to go further in the. Europa League would be great. Were your team technically better? I mean, great individuals came together to make a great team and that obviously is what makes great teams. We had technically great players, yeah, we had. And, uh, you know, they were they were great to play with. They were great. I think people said they were great to watch and uh, similar to Wade and Dawkins at the moment. Um, it's just that uh, it was just a different time and... Uh, I just, I'd, I'd, the lads would kill me if I said otherwise, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I have to meet them, you know. But yeah. uh, no, all I would hope is that uh, Dundalk achieve as much success as they can this year. Stephen's done a fantastic job. Um, the players, not only that, but the players themselves have, have done a fantastic job for themselves as much as anybody else, for the league as well. But for themselves, they've achieved a huge success and playing the right way and they deserve every bit of credit to get. It's a nice point to leave it on. We'll leave it there. I think we've decided that the greatest team of all time was in fact Bows of 08 and 09. Um, <laughs> we'll leave it there. So Pat Byrne, formerly of Shamrock Rovers and sundry others of course. Uh, Matt Keane of WLR and Kevin Doherty as well. Alexis Shelburne, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks very much, Oshane. Thank you. Cheers, lads. Bye-bye. Kevin, you're going to stay with us because you're going to talk about Drogheda against uh, Cove Ramblers in the second leg of the promotion relegation playoff. Drogheda taking a 2-0 lead into the second leg at Hunky Dorian. No, United. it's United Park. I got Hunky. tweets. I Is got it? tweets last week. Oh yeah, we actually got some reaction to the podcast last really? week. Really, people actually listen to the shagging wow. thing. Yeah, which well, is look, incredible. Make a mistake, and that's how you find out if you have yeah. listeners or <laughs> interactors or whatever it is in podcasts. Anyway, Kevin, um, you'd fancy Drogheda to finish the job, but do you fancy them to completely finish the job? Because we know now at this stage they will play Wexford Youths. Yeah, well, it was a great result down in Cove for starters. Like to, to, to win down there, I was just talking to Richie earlier. Cove was a really, really tough place to go and win, and I was probably a bit surprised that they won. They won two 0 down there. Um, they have been playing very well. Drogheda they finished the season very strong, even beating UCD when when the chips were down. In fairness to them, they they had to do it. Um, you would fancy them to finish the job all right, as in the against Cove, and then the the Wexford one. It's 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 hard to gauge because. Wexford had to 
pull out something the other night against Finn Harp trying to win it and they, they didn't manage yeah. to do it and they've lost a lot of players as well experts. I know a lot of them went to, to New Zealand um, they went over there and, and I see Danny Furlong's been in and out who was the, the main man he scored 30 odd goals last year mm. in the first division um, Drogheda are coming into it in a lot of form They're, they seem to I, I mentioned it before they, they added players in the window which was very very important for them they brought in the likes of McCaffrey and from Alone from Rovers and, and, and even John McKeown from from Longford actually and, and to, just to strengthen the squad they're missing Sean Brennan's out at the moment suspended he, I think he got three games on together so he'd be back for one of them he'd be an important player they have experience with Sean Thornton they've players that are playing really well the likes of Kevin Farrer and, and yeah. Luke Gallagher good players they've had a really really good year they've had a really good year and when you're looking at it they're, they're in form Wexford probably aren't in form so mm. see, we see last year what happened with, with, with Limerick where they were probably very fa- favourites to, to go and beat Finn Harps and Finn Harps went and beat them so anything could happen but you would think that Drogheda would be slight favourites at the moment It's sort of the wily old Fox and Pete Mahan against the bold young pup and Shane Keegan Well Shane's been around in fairness a few years yeah. so he's, he's plenty he won the league last year don't forget yeah. that with, with the fourth division so he's, he's plenty of experience but Pete yeah Pete Pete experience obviously and his coaching staff I mean he, he's John Gill who's won the fourth division um, Mark Kinsley who's obviously an international and a very good coach uh, so I believe a lot of experience there on, on the, in the technical side and it definitely will stand to them alright um, I think that they probably you, you could say they, they probably deserve to go up maybe throughout it because they've been decent all mm-hmm. year obviously Limerick we, we spoke before about Limerick everyone was playing for the playoff spot and Drogheda ended up finishing second so in an ideal world I think I, I probably think the top two should go up anyway and the bottom two should go down I was just going to ask you is this a fair scenario is this something that we can live with for the next few years or is it something that we have to just talk that there's always talk of restructuring but it's 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 certainly tough on the fourth division side because you have to play a playoff against say if you finish second yeah. against the third place team Um. You have to come through that and then you have to play another so it's a semi-final essentially and then you're playing a final mm. Finn Harps have kind of wrecked that argument but in terms of fairness it, it just strikes yeah. me as being set, like completely geared against the first division side to go well it's actually two years because Galway went up in the same situation yeah, yeah. the previous year so again it's, it's, it's you go back to my previous point about teams coming into it in form and generally the lads that are second or, or third in the first division are probably in obviously have had decent seasons <laughs> and whereas the, the second last team in the Premier Division confidence probably low because they've been losing more often than not so it, it can work against you that way even though it is sort of geared that the Premier Division team only have to play a two-legged tie whereas the first division have to play four games Would Keegan have his uh, he kind of would have a manager saying that they're not going to think about the playoffs until they actually know who they're going to play but you know, there's got to be an element of he going into even the Finn Harps game knew what was probably going to come and has started to gear his team towards maybe concentrating on the playoff, how much emphasis can he have put on that heading into the last week or so? I'm sure, look, Shane's been thinking of it a long time. I, I was at a game, um, saw him at a game looking at looking at teams there a while ago. So he, he knows, like, you have to prepare yourself. You, mm. can, you can be as confident and try and get the message across that you're not thinking about the playoffs to the, to the players because you have to get them to focus. But obviously you have to do your preparation, right? And, and he will have watched, he will have watched uh, all of the teams. Can we read anything into the fact that Wexford took a trimming? against Cork City the other night or do, is it a case that they just know even though technically they could still have made the automatic staying up they yeah. could have avoided the playoff they kind of knew yeah, yeah, that was highly they, unlikely they probably did but it doesn't help yeah. like you, you'd, they'd rather win the game yeah. or rather get a, have a better performance because confidence comes from, from good performance even if they played it even God if you play a friendly a week before you, you play a big match if you play well it just yeah. brings in confidence into the game What's your prediction not 
necessarily for Drogheda and Cove because it looks good for Drogheda. It yeah. would be a big, big, big shock if Drogheda were to lose out to Cove. We're going to sit here and look like mugs next week, basically. That's what you're exactly. attempting to here. Yeah, right? exactly. What's your prediction for Drogheda against Finn Harps on the proviso that it is Drogheda against, sorry, Wexford, right. not Finn Harps? I'm like Ollie Horgan. Ollie's still not sure that they're not in it. <laughs> um, I, I, I'd say, what's that? I don't make predictions. I never will. I think Drogheda come are in such good form that you'd, you'd have to fancy Drogheda to do the job. Is that because of momentum? Yeah, momentum. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big thing, and, and and sometimes you you can't put your finger on why you're why you're doing it, but picking up results and big results. Like as I said, go back to the game against UCD. I fancied UCD to beat them on the last day of the season to, yeah. for UCD to get into it, but they really pulled the performance out there. And, and did enough, and they've done it down, gone down. Said tough place to go, mm-hmm. Cove win two 0 So the momentum certainly with them, and, and if it keeps going that way, they'll be in the Premier Division next year. Always great to hear from Kevin Doherty on the SSE Electricity League podcast with uh, Richie, Dan, and I here on News Talk. The first division playoff second leg taking place on Friday night, by the way, at United Park. Drogheda taking a two 0 lead into that game against Cove Ramblers. Whoever comes through that will face Wexford on Monday night in the first leg of the promotion relegation playoff. They'll be in Ferry Carrick Park. Uh, also, Premier Division fixtures on Friday night this week. It's kind of pointless though because everything has been sorted. Uh, Braid take on Cork City, Dundalk meet Galway United, Longford face Shamrock Rovers, St. Pat's meet Derry and Sligo Rovers host Wexford Hughes. Finn Harps might have a bit of a party when they take on Bohemians. I don't think Ollie Horgan, their manager, expected everything to be done and dusted with a game to spare. Now, they were training earlier in the week while Cork City were playing Wexford. And of course, if Wexford didn't beat Cork City, which they didn't, uh, it meant that Finn Harps could party. So, were they kind of listening out to what was going on in Turner's Cross? Were they uh, watching out for it while they were training? The answer will surprise you. First though, here is Ollie Horgan's reaction on staying up. He's been speaking to uh, Highland Radio's Oshin Kelly. I said it at the start of the year and it's the way it transpired. You know, it was a great achievement without doubt getting promoted last year. Um, but to be fair to the group of lads, I think this was a bigger achievement for them. Uh, you know, it's when, when you're in the first division and winning more games than, than you're losing, the confidence is there. In, in this division, you're losing more games than you're winning and to try and get that confidence back is a huge challenge for everybody and the players in particular, but to their credit, they did, and, you know, they deserved a lot of praise for that itself. Just finally, Ollie, you trained last night, obviously you were keeping uh, an ear to what was happening down in Wexford, what was it like, what the group of players, when, when well, the word started to falter through that you just received? Well, to, be, to be fair to the group of players, there was, you know, there was no, we didn't we didn't know the scoreline, we, you know, we were training and concentrating on that, and to be fair to the players, it was probably when they, they had it home that they, they, they realised that, that Wexford had been beaten, but no, you know, we, we, we were concentrating and preparing for Bohemians and we, we didn't address any issue because we weren't aware of the scoreline at the time anyway. And congratulations to Finn Harps who stay in the Premier Division. That's it for the SSE or Tricity League podcast on News Talk this week. Next week, we've got an FAI Cup Final Special Dundalk coming up against Cork City at the Aviva. Lots of tickets available for that game and they're cheap as well, so get on it if you possibly can. We'll also have a look at the uh, Continental Tires FAI Women's Cup Final. So come back and join us for that. You can get me on Twitter at Oshin Langan or you can uh, talk to all of us, Richie, Dan and I, on sportatnewstalk.com. Until next week, take care, good luck.